the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. I'm publisher Andy Jackson and joining me as ever is editor Trevor Trahan. Hello. Uh, we'll kick off by uh, reviewing the A-League Round 5 action from last weekend. And uh, it all kicked off on Friday night up on the Central Coast where Mariners uh, came out on top of the Melbourne victory with goals from Royston Griffiths and Daniel McBreen. It's all... Relatively straightforward, isn't it? It wasn't wasn't really in much doubt. I mean, Melbourne goal in each half, you know. They didn't yeah, it was sort of a what you would call you know regulation victory, really regulation home win, and it's not many of those in the A League. No, um, especially when you're hosting Melbourne. Yeah, victory obviously uh, Mariners were uh, were without uh, suspended Patricio Perez, but didn't seem to miss him that much. And uh, unlike the the previous week, um, managed to find a way through the the victory uh, defence. Um, Saturday, Melbourne Hearts uh, got the win uh, against North Queensland Fury. The predicted goal avalanche didn't happen. It was a fest, wasn't it? <laughs> I actually backed more than four and a half I goals. And, that was uh, a good bet. Yeah, well, well when what the first goal went in at 11, yeah. 11 minutes, I was like, here we go. And, and North Queensland had a couple of chances at that point. You were kicking yourself if you hadn't gone six or more at yeah. that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, crowd there. For just over 4,000. I mean, there was a big game of AFL, which apparently, um, I think it was the Western Bulldogs against Collingwood. Not that I follow the AFL, but I just. That uh, sounds like a big game, though. It was. From my. First week finals. Um, And I believe, I understand that Melbourne did actually try and get this game moved because of the clash with that, and and they couldn't. Right. Um, So hopefully that's not a a sign of things to come, but that is a, a concerning crowd there. And, and despite, you know, Fury's early season form, they're not a draw card about Fowler, are they? So, Yeah, no, no, they're not. Um, so, North Queensland Fury, obviously, had been on a good run, came to an end. I mean, I guess the important thing that we'll see now from their perspective is just how they bounce back, because they've, yeah, they've had a period where everything's sort of been going right for them. They've, you know, they've been, uh, they've been talked up a fair bit by the likes of ourselves, and, uh, and I guess it's how they now bounce back from their first setback. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not like they got smashed. They just lost 1-0 on the road. And I thought they were going to be one of those teams that might be a bit boom and bust, like they might receive a few spankings this season. So, yeah, I don't think that that's too big a deal. But Melbourne Hearts, uh, Kalmar, Nick Kalmar. Yeah, well, looks all right, doesn't he? Well, yeah, for, for all, all the, the big-name big recruits. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, hello. <laughs> a bit too much time to go. For all the big-name recruits, you know, the, the guy that seems to be standing out for them is the guy they've picked from the, from the VPL. So um, exactly. it's good to see. And, and you know, that, that should hopefully give them the confidence to, to get that win under their belt now to, uh, to sort of go on and, and have, that, you know, have that ability to sort of see games out, which they, they, they proved a little bit... Uh, Difficult. They haven't, they haven't really got that ability up till now, but hopefully we'll see them uh, them kick on. I think they're um, always going to be a threat on their heart, especially in a 30 game season with six people making the finals, six teams making the finals. That you know, right up until the end, if they get it right, then I still think they're a, a good shout for the grand final. Possibly. Yeah. Uh, the second game on Saturday was uh, Sydney FC season. Uh, lurched from bad to worse in in, in more than one way. Yep. Uh, they got well beaten at home. Um, by Adelaide, uh, Sergio Van Dijk scored a couple. Matthew Leckie scored a goal again. Uh, Stefan Keller gave him uh, a little bit of hope, but um, but it wasn't much of a comeback. They were awful. Another worrying crowd. Uh, Sydney SC's lowest crowd ever. Really? Yep. 
Who'd have, um, who'd have thought yeah, in game. fickle Sydney that as soon as the team starts <laughs> bottom of the table, no one turns up? Yeah, uh, and they've, they've been hit by more news that we'll talk about in a bit that, that Nick Carl looks like he might be set for a spell on the sidelines with a foot injury. Uh, I mean, where do we start with Sydney? I mean, you know, Adelaide's movement, passing, ball retention was just a level above where Sydney were, wasn't it, really? Exactly. It's just personnel, you know, the said so many times but you know they've lost all these big players um, they haven't replaced them and they don't seem to have any plans to replace them so you know I can't see how things are suddenly going to turn around you know it's not like they've they've got a whole raft of you know they have got some good young players but they've not got a raft of inconsistent young players people at the at the back like you know Keller and stuff you know they're, they're playing out how good they are so I, I can't I can't see where the turnaround's going to come the new Brazilian guy who had a first you know, look at him. It's too early to say, but again, yeah. I don't think you know just his signing is going to make enough of a difference. And even if you know, Brosk was playing, you know, if if, if Sydney had a load of nil nils and, and one alls, and you go, well, maybe when Brosk comes back, he'll be the factor to kick him back on again. But they're not scoring, and they're shipping a load of goals. Yeah, well, it's another uh, another disappointing defeat, um, and Sydney's you know falling victims to the champions' curse. It seems no one's yeah. really ever mounted a. A successful defence of their title, and it looks like we're going to see that again. Rarely get close. I mean, Victory obviously got close last season, but generally, if you win it, <laughs> then you wouldn't spoon the next year, right? Yeah. Uh, up on the Hunter, Newcastle nil, Brisbane nil. Uh, an improved crowd there on the back of the uh, the calls from the club to get back and support the Jets. Obviously, uh, the financial woes became uh, became public last week. The FFA have uh, have stepped in and, and given them some short term assistance. Uh, but it wasn't enough to get the result on the pitch. Nil-nil draw. Um, again, the Jets, fully another another team that's not really clicked yet this season. No, no. I mean, they showed real promise last season, and you felt with Branko given a full pre-season that they'd be a real force. And yeah, it's been a very, very slow start from them. And um, yeah, I mean, they were out without a win, and um, Brisbane were undefeated. So I suppose a draw was fairly obvious when you think about it. Yeah. And the last game, last game, of the, last game of the season, last game of the weekend uh, was Perth Glory. Uh, thank God, the most the, the only banker that we could ever, game ever that we could ever have was Perth's home form and Wellington's away form was uh, was true to form. And uh, Perth got up two one. Uh, Miller Stajowski opened the scoring early doors with with a goal in five minutes, and then Robbie Fowler uh, scored his first goal from open play with a, a nice move and a good header. Uh, ben Sigmund got one back for the Phoenix, but um, but it wasn't enough. Uh, just over ten thousand, highest crowd of the week there. Um, and Perth looked to be mounting a a good challenge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If they can uh, if they can get their away form uh, anywhere near respectable, you'd fancy them to be to be potentially challenging for the uh, for the Premiership. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's a really good team there with good players on the bench if they need to come in. So, yeah, if they can keep consistent, then they'll be very hard to stop. I think. And you probably say, looking back over the week, um, there were no dives. There weren't many. Uh, no dives. No. There weren't many sort of uh, debatable decisions in the penalty box. So would would the FFA take that as justification for the sort of what most people would agree is pretty draconian measures of the week before? Would they look at that and say, well, look, it's had an effect? Yeah, I mean, you certainly wouldn't dive this week, would you? Cause <laughs> it's so it's so fresh. Or do we think the players will just give it another week or so? Yeah. And everyone will forget. I mean, the footballers will forget. I think there was, the one, I think there was one in the Newcastle game. Was it Sash Petrovsky? Yeah. Sort of went down looking for a penalty. Yeah. It was a bit, everyone sort of held their breath. <laughs> exactly, yeah. 
Okay, and the league table uh, after five rounds. Adelaide and Perth still top, neck and neck. They've now actually got the exact same <laughs> goals scored Bizarre, and goals it? against and the same goal difference. So I, I, I guess that at the moment is Adelaide on top by alphabetical what status. A, what a way to win the title. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure it would go down to that <laughs> no. at the end of the season. And Sydney FC rock bottom uh, with uh, with two points from five games. What, Bizarrely, what? the Gold Coast are, are above Sydney FC and have only played three games. So... Uh, they must be laughing. The Gold Coast had the, the week off last week as well, which, uh, again, I'd imagine it's a bit difficult for them to get any sort of momentum going when they've had two weeks off in the first five. Yeah, that doesn't help, does it? And they certainly need some game under their belts. Yeah, so you'd look for them to, to sort of get a, a run of games going now. Miller Stajowski, leading scorer with three goals. Um, whole raft of players on two and one, as you'd expect this close into the season. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. Is that, they're all in open play, aren't they, Stajowski? Yeah. Because well, Fowler's taking penalties. I think last yeah. season... So, uh, you know, penalties was the only way he was getting goals. Yeah. So if he's got three in open play, I wouldn't suppose that's pretty much the same as what he got last season. Well, I do, I do feel like he has benefited from Fowler coming in and taking the sort of limelight. And yeah. I never felt that it sat that comfortably with him. He's and not that, marquee, that really? pressure of being, you know, people looking for him to make things happen. I don't think he's the sort of player that can do it on his own. Yep. You know, and I think having Fowler there has sort of freed him up a little bit, A, to get the most out of his, you know, his supply, mm. but also, you know, has freed him up to play with a little bit more freedom and, and you know, well, the defence is watching Fowler, Stajowski's finding room. Yeah. So, that's good to see. Um, that's a quick round-up of uh, round five of the A-League. That concludes section one. We'll be back in the second uh, segment to have a look at what's been making news on our website, au.442.com. Visit Football Emporium on www.footballemporium.biz to see the largest selection of football merchandise and memorabilia in Australia. A real football shopping experience. Or why not pop in and visit them directly at 139 Victoria Road, Dremoyne. Or simply call them on 1300 Goals to find out what's new in the football world. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome back to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. We're uh, going to go on and look at some of the main news from our website, au.442.com. And obviously over the weekend, Trev, uh, as well as the A-League, uh, it was dominated by the Socceroos who were back in action uh, with two games. Uh, started off in uh, St. Gallen uh, against the Swiss side that obviously uh, had uh, some good results in the World Cup, notably against Spain. Uh, we drew 0-0. Um, Schwartz to the rescue a number of times. Yeah. Uh, missed penalty from Alexander Fry. Uh, what, did, what did you make of the game? Uh, well, look, I, I think it was you know, an encouraging result. Taking on a team with not a full squad um, by any means, but taking on a team that had just done well at a World Cup and, and picking up a draw away from home. Um, yeah, I mean, that that's a reasonable result. I mean, I think Switzerland seemed a little bit off the pace as we saw them against England. They didn't. There, there was a few of the players that they? weren't playing. That yeah, moment, though. there was. Uh, interesting that they had to, uh, used the Socceroos as a warm up for England. Um, we take that as a compliment or a slur on the Socceroos, <laughs> <laughs> or, or just realistic on behalf of the Swiss. Or the Socceroos were available. Um, yeah, no, I think it's probably a compliment, isn't it? It's a beat. That was a massive game for them that home to England one, wasn't it? But yeah. they didn't really turn up. Okay, I mean. Um, any differences that you saw? Like it's still early days with with Holgo uh, compared with Pim's approach. Did you look any, anything from the system or formation perspective? You know, he seems to be keener to to sort of push forward a, a little bit more. I think we got it in, in our heads that Pim wasn't interested in that whatsoever. 
he's obviously giving McDonald a chance. Yeah. Which, in fairness, Pim did. You know, early on, he did give McDonald yeah. a chance and then decided that he still wasn't any any use for him. Um, he's obviously trying to get McDonald and Cahill to sort of um, bond together quite well. You know, I think he even might have even made that comment how he wanted to give him more time up there and that is going to be integral that those two can play well together and there's no reason why they wouldn't because I don't think McDonald you know is exactly going to be commanding the load in the air um, that will all be Cahill's uh, department and McDonald will be there for the you know for the poachers goals yeah <coughs> so if you know I, I think that Kennedy and McDonald you know when they're back playing together is a perfect front two you know Cahill running into the box so yeah, I mean, it, it, isn't a danger though with if you went Kennedy, McDonald, and Cahill that you're left <clears> a little bit exposed in the centre midfield against the better sides? Depends. I think Valeri can do a good job of screening in there. Yeah, I, th- I thought he had two poor games. Though. Yeah, but I, th- I thought he's played well in the lead up to those games, and I, I, I think Kalina's you know still plays that role probably better than most people, doesn't he? Now you know now that Grello's gone. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, probably would be a, a little tight in the midfield if we were playing all of those. Yeah, I, th- I thought that, that playing Cahill a, a little more uh, forward allowed McDonald to do what he's best at, which is to sort of play on the, the shoulder of the last defender mm. and yep. look for those little boys. You know, and, and yes, he missed a couple of chances. The second one was a, was a bloody difficult chance where the ball was coming on the half volley as a mm. header, um, but he got into that position by playing on the shoulder of the last defender. And when he's the only man up in the role that Pim was playing him, he never gets the opportunity to do that because the ball's always played into him and he's got to come back towards the ball, hold the ball up and wait for the support. And I thought that that, that was quite interesting. So I'd probably say that over the whole, I think McDonald's probably done his case uh, a, a lot of good in that. I think that he's that. shown that, that he has the movement and he has the sort of the, the eye for goal. I, I just think it's a confidence thing with him. Yeah, he needs that first goal, doesn't he? Like we've seen with Holman. You always see when he, when he missed that one, he was, he was almost laughing. It's, it's now got to that point where he's like, you know, what yeah. do I have to do? Yeah. And the whole time he's not been scoring for the Socceroos, he's been banging in goals yeah. for Selwick and now Middlesbrough. Yeah. Uh, okay, the second game was a, was a win against Poland, um, which obviously cued uh, Kev going into overdrive on the Pontastic website with yeah. the rules Polax Poland. Um so, what do we make of this game? It's a very different side. Number of players uh, rested, uh, or a you know, chance for Holger to look at some of the other players. Sure. He, in came people like Richard Garcia, John McCain, Adam Federici. Um, what do we make of uh, of the second game? Uh, Federici, massive positive. Two good goalkeeper displays, wasn't there? Yeah. You know, Schwartz the first and, and Federici in the second one. And again, we gave away a penalty. <clears throat> um, this time, Federici saved it rather than the player missing it. Good yeah. save as well. Uh, yeah, I, I think we've been talking for ages, haven't we, about you know who's going to emerge as Swartz's replacement, and I think probably Brad Jones going to Liverpool would have put him back a little bit. I know it's a great move, and no one can turn down going to Liverpool, but I can't see him playing there for a while. So yeah, I think Federici. That if we're assuming that Swartz might step down after the Asian Cup, um, that's what a lot of people speculate. Then I think Federici can do a good job. Holman, Goldman. Brett yeah. getting in on the act um, again. Like we're saying about McDonald, as soon as you got that first goal, then the confidence sort of uh, kicks on from there. And um, you know, across those games, it's good to see you know Spiranovic, um, you know, emerging as well. I, th- I think the main problems we've got, isn't it, is that centre back position um, and and the sort of goalkeeper one when once Schwarzer goes. I think one of the concerns would be for me would be that in two games we have given away two penalties. Yeah, um, <laughs> not great. 
irrespective of the team. And, you know, and again, although you have to say, ask yourself, what game did the referee think he was refereeing? Mm. It's, it was a friendly, you know, yeah, to, yeah. for the opening of the new stadium. And, uh, yeah, he's sending people off and dishing out yellow cards as if he's Howard Webb in the World Cup final. It's <laughs> like, but, you know, so, so that aside though, I do think that there is an issue with, uh, and maybe Brett was doing it to give Holger a challenge that he's probably going to face, which is, uh, managing the Socceroos with 10 men, because if it was anything <laughs> that he needed preparation for the World Cup, it would be that. Yeah, right. But it is a concern, you know, is discipline a concern? You know, is, uh, is their decision making right in terms of you know, defence when to go to ground in the box we're giving away penalties we're getting men sent off you know I'd, I'd say that that's probably a, a point for concern for him I think you know the Socceroos are and have always been a really physical team I think it's about learning which areas of the pitch you're physical yeah. and to what extent really and I'm sure Holger better saw the hell yeah and do we you know do, you, do we think that you know do we think this referees watched the World Cup and has seen Socceroos have two men sent off and we get a reputation for you know, the that, that reputation just keeps sort of fulfilling itself and uh, and that's probably the danger uh, I mean any, anyone stand out for you Trev that you would say right that, that you know that player's arrived or that player's done his uh, reputation a lot of good and, and the other side of that anyone that you think has probably sort of lost ground in the eyes of the new coach um, perhaps not you know lost ground because these were experiments but I think that you know Holman Federici and, and Speranovic who are three young players, yeah. you know, sort of can come out of these games with their heads held high and, and confident that they're going to play a part in the, the World Cup qualifiers and, and the Asian Cup too. So, that you know, that's encouraging. Um, you know, McDonald has still got to keep plugging away, hasn't he? And um, Emerton getting sent off probably didn't do himself any favours, but, you know, that was, what, 77 for Cap or something? So yeah. I'm sure his reputation will keep him there for... Yeah, I, I thought Valeri was was disappointing after after having a strong World Cup. I thought he did well, and and the, I mean this isn't his fault, but I, the, the the only player that I probably doubt, had, couldn't really understand what the point of it was John McCain. I just think at this stage of his career, mm. I would have liked them to to maybe taken someone like a Luke Devere and given them an opportunity to partner Lucas Neal, you know, just like he did with Spiranovic, put one of the young guys alongside the captain and the yeah. most senior, you know, one of the most senior players in the squad to give them that experience, you know, and, and I think that's where we really need to be using these games to, to bring on those young players. So it was great that Spiranovic got the chance. I was just a little bit disappointed that we didn't use that opportunity to give another sort of young and emerging player that chance. Yeah, I, that. I like Luke Tavir as well. Yeah, I've I do. I think he's getting better and better. Actually. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that was the Socceroos. Uh, Holger obviously came out and uh, and was you know happy with the uh, with the two games, happy with the result against Poland. Um, he said that there were one or two things that, that he wasn't happy about. Um, he didn't go into detail. Uh, I, you know, but uh, again, you know, he talked to uh, Emerton about his sending off. That was good. He's quite. There was an asked Emma after, and he said he used a very popular four-letter word. Yeah. The reference in New English, which we can guess what that is. Mm. Um, all right, back to the, back to home. Uh, we alluded to in the first one. FFA um, came to the table with some short-term financial assistance to the Jets, but has made no promises uh, beyond the next few games. I think the figure banded around is about three hundred grand's worth of short-term assistance, which will apparently be enough to get the Jets through uh, the a next couple two of weeks. weeks. So it goes back two weeks, is that right? Yeah. And then you sort out for some very very short-term. Sounds like a lot of money for. You know, For what's basically sticking your finger in the hole of a leak, isn't it? Rather than yeah. actually sorting it out. Yeah, so it doesn't appear like the Jets' woes are, are, are over just yet. Uh, Nicky Carl as well, uh, talking of woes, moving on to Sydney. 
Uh, Mark East, our Nicky Carl's foot injury, um, looks like it's going to cost him uh, a trip to Wellington this weekend and probably, you'd say, cost Sydney any chance of winning there. Yeah, he's been carrying this injury quite clearly, hasn't he, in the opening few games. He's, he's not been with it. I mean, he was good in the... Uh, you know, the opener against Melbourne, but he's not been the same since. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he picked up a knock in that game. And they've just, you know, when the form's not going well, you end up trying to keep these players on the pitch. Um, but it might be the, you know, the, the fact that, you know, he's definitely not going to play and he'll get a bit of time to rehabilitate, you know, might be a good thing because I don't think they're going to go and win at Wellington anyway. Yeah. Uh, obviously, they're, they're still missing Terry McFlynn. They're still missing Alex Brosk, neither of which will be available for the trip either. Um, you know, we've seen, you know, we, everyone was quick to praise Levitska last year. You know, foreign coach coming in. Yep. You know, increased professionalism, got results. Are we seeing the, the other, another side of him this year? Yeah, or is it too early? It's probably too early. I suppose it'll be interesting in his views on the, on the recruitment of players. I don't know how much his hands were tired. Because if he turned around and said, no, I think that we can afford to lose those players and this squad will be okay then I think he's got that very, very wrong. But if they sort of you know, said that you're not able to replace these guys, you're going to have to do as best as you can, then there's only so much you can do. Yeah. Uh, Phoenix, Wellington Phoenix. Um, obviously, there's been some, uh, some issues in, uh, in New Zealand with the, with the earthquake. Um, they've confirmed that their December 5 clash at Canterbury's AMI Stadium will go ahead, despite the earthquake that, um, that rocked that region. Um, you know, they, they sort of said that, that you know, the best way to... Uh, to give their support was to actually play the game and they'll be making visits uh, to Christchurch in November to show their support ahead of that match. So um, so it's good to see that the, the Phoenix have um, you know have agreed to go on with that and obviously uh, we hope that New Zealand gets their, uh, gets back on their feet as soon as possible. It's certainly amazing scenes. It looked like a war zone, some of the yeah. pictures you saw from I mean, there. thankfully, but also incredibly, that you know there was no fatalities from that, yeah, wasn't there? Amazing. Considering what it was, um, what it's like. I think they were saying this picture where like, the road had just sort of yeah, gone to a different levels about sort of like a five foot gap. Yeah. You get a lot here: earthquakes, football. Yeah. What more do you want? After the break, we're going to be talking about tabloid headlines and uh, should footballers be held up as role models, or is that outside their remit? So, uh, join us after the break, and we'll get into uh, Rooney Gate. You can provide relief in times of crisis. You can help care for the elderly and isolated living alone. Someone help me, she won't wake up! You can show commitment when others turn away. You can do more than you think. Please donate today to the Red Cross Calling Appeal. Call 1-800-811-700. Visit redcross.org.au or donate at Coles Supermarkets. Back to 442 Insider. Welcome back to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. Now, uh, any football fan will be aware of the uh, story that broke last weekend around uh, England's talisman Wayne Rooney uh, and the revelations that he's he was uh, visiting, an, an, what should we say, a, a lady of the night during uh, whilst his wife was pregnant. Which uh, does seem to be yet another act from... All of a sudden he's, probably the, all the, of a sudden he's the bad guy, eh? Probably the most... <laughs> dysfunctional group of men that have ever come together under any banner whatsoever and that is the England football team but look we wanted to just have a bit obviously that you know everyone's been running hot with this you know and, and, and the fact that Rooney's 
you know, played. He knows about this. It's now in the public domain. He's played. He's played well. He's put it behind him. Uh, it looks like his marriage could well be over. Hmm. Um, I mean, where where do we stand on this? You know, obviously we're in the media as well. Uh, it's not really our market. Um, it's more the domain of the tabloids, the whole celebrity football yep. celebrity wags thing. We focus more on you know the players and the, the game rather than sort of what they do off the pitch. Where do you stand on this? Um, there's a few different ways of, of looking at it. I mean, people say, oh, you know, footballers are just another another set of people that have a job to do. Um, but the fact is nowadays that, you know, they are in the public eye. Most of them get masses and masses of money from endorsements to be, you know, the face of certain brands and to be someone to look up to. And I just think that, you know, we shouldn't be discussing, you know, they should be made to act like this. They should be acting like this anyway. They must be aware of, you know, the consequences. And I think it's particularly tough in England, isn't it? Because the media are brutal, aren't they? And they actively, yeah, they and, go and, out and, of their yeah, way to try and, and, and manipulate them. it sometimes. You know, yeah, it's not, completely. as you saw with Ashley Cole, it's not beyond the realms that, you know, they plant girls and are waiting there with a the camera. But not, not, no one's saying that that's happened in this instance. No. I guess, you know, the thing, thing with me is that, the first thing I immediately thought of, which I put on Twitter at the time, was, you know, Wayne Rooney had the, the, the gall to pull the England fans up as he was coming off the pitch uh, against Algeria yeah. for their display of loyal support. And the first thing that stopped me was, Wayne, <laughs> you're the last person to talk about loyal support when you are out mm, yeah, exactly. you know, with some hooker whilst your missus is pregnant at home. So... Uh, and I guess, yeah, there's a lot of people that have come out and, and a few players uh, have been on Twitter and have said, you know, he should be judged by what he does on the pitch and, you know, pe- marriages are breaking up everywhere and, you know, people are seeing seeing escorts everywhere. But I guess the, the, where I stand that is the difference is, is that kids at school aren't walking around with those blokes' names on their shirt, you know. And, and yeah. I guess, you know, how, as a parent who of a kid who, who idolises Wayne Rooney, how do you broach that conversation you know exactly. when the kid starts getting teased at school because he's got Rooney's shirt on mm. um, so I, I just think as, uh, you know and with the Rooney's as well you know they, they've certainly and, and to a degree the Beckham's and you know they've not been shy at using the media and taking money from the media with the hello spreads and taking money off okay and yep. you know and the John Terry you know England's best dad you know and he's anything but and I just think if you use the media, then be prepared to be abused by the media if it, if you're not what you purport to be. Exactly, yeah. And I think they're they're the targets. They're the media targets. You know, you don't see the media mm. running splashes on Phil Neville. <laughs> no, <laughs> because he's got no interest in it. Paul Scholes, you know, completely yeah. blanks the media. Has never had any interest in it. He's not comfortable talking about himself or football. So he he's the person that treats football as a job. Yeah, exactly. He's the one that just turns up on a Saturday and says, I'm a footballer, I'm paid to play football, I didn't sign up for any of this media bullshit, I'm not interested in it, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So he's the guy that treats it like a job. Wayne Rooney, John Terry, they don't treat it like a job. No. They treat it they as cash a route to fame other, and yeah. fortune and, and routes for their wives and girlfriends for fame and fortune. And I so, think that they, you know, I think it's a bit rich to then play that, oh, you know, we we don't like this being played out in public well you've made your life public yep and there are plenty of good examples where people haven't made their lives public and are left to get on with their lives even though they play at just the same level 
we had a couple of I put a, a call out on Twitter new technology oh, no. just for coming in here and asking, now you're flicking you know, through your iPad to find them yeah I am uh, Andrew Scott said that um, if a parent holds up a sports star as a life role model for their child then they're a fool um, I'd probably agree with that to a degree less the role model but I don't think that we could ever stop kids idolising and making heroes out of sports men and women they're always going to do that uh, Sarah Gentle. That's um, a tough discussion, isn't it? If you take your kid to Man U and they love Wayne Rooney, yeah. and all of a sudden they're asking questions about, you know, what's going on with this? Yeah, exactly. Try to explain it to. Another thing, a side I thought was, um, you know, Rooney's kid growing up, he's going to find out about this, isn't it? I mean, how's that? Of course gonna... he is. Come on, Dad, what were you doing? Of course like? he is. Uh, and I guess you know, my my point of view from from the the, the moralistic side is, I I don't begrudge the players the money, and the players are within their rights to do what they want to do with that money. As long as it's not hurting anyone else, yeah, you know. And if and if you can't, if you if that's what you want to be doing, if that's how you want to live your life, mm. don't get married at twenty one or twenty two or whatever it was, yep. and certainly don't get pregnant if that if you're not if you're not over that period of your life going around and behaving like exactly. you know, a teenager who's got a load of money. And I think the the problem is these guys have got so much money and are surrounded by so many people who will never say no to them. Yeah. That they they lose all sort of moral compass and, and just think that it's all right. So it will, it will all it will be all right. And if it isn't, well, then it doesn't matter because I've got enough money to make it right again somewhere else. And, yeah. And that seems to be Rooney's. Really. So I've been reading in the papers that yeah you know, he's sort of said he's accepted that it's probably going to be over and. If it is, he just wants it over and out of the way. It's like mm. there doesn't really seem to be much emotion there. Exactly. Yeah. Another flip flip side I'd say is that you know, perhaps prostitutes are a little bit different, but you know, with Ashley Colchin, it's easy not to cheat when no one wants to sleep with you. You know. Yeah. Do you know what no, I mean? No, and, no, and, no, and these are lads no, that are going out. It's easy, but but if you don't think that you're strong enough to deal with that, don't get married. Yeah. Yeah. No. Stay. Stay. George Besting it up for a little bit longer. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, George Best. <laughs> in between his matches. Are we suggesting yeah. George Best is the role model for this? <laughs> That's what they should be doing. Uh, anyway, but at least he, ne- he never uh, shied away from what he actually was. No, know, it's hands up, wasn't it? Yeah. We needed someone else like him again, I think. And Sarah Gentle um, actually highlighted a, a player. She said um, Tarek Elrich up in Newcastle is... Uh, is the best role model ever to his fans. You should speak to him. As a mom, he encourages, she encourages her eight-year-old to watch him. Uh, he's a great player, incredible ambassador for the game, especially in Newcastle. Kids flock to him, and rightly so. Um, so this thing that you know, and and, and as well, it, it, we should say that for every, um, you know, for every Wayne Rooney and John Terry, there are just as many professional footballers that aren't making the headlines, and it just does seem to be that it's this what you know, playing for England seems to be part of the qualification and, and rumours that uh, there is a, another exclusive about to break tomorrow that after the Switzerland game one of the England players slept with his own wife is apparently um, is apparently exaggerated but we'll be following that as a break. <laughs> and also you know I think it's been highlighted a little bit more because you've had these foreign players you know come into the game and they've had you know English players before you know eating steaks before games and stuff the foreign players have changed you know the way things are and you know, they don't go out and get hammered till three, four in the morning. The foreign guys, they do eat better, and it's this English culture of doing a lot of that that sort of plays into the hands of getting caught. Cool. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, do we feel that the, the Socceroos? I mean, obviously, you know, the the other codes are not without. You know, in Australia, have not been without. Well, we've got one at the moment, Brendan Favola. You know, 
He's, <laughs> that was incredible, wasn't it? Really? himself at an event to, uh, to a mother and child. Um, oh, you know, do we... Can't do anything these days. Yeah, the Socceroos, by and large, seem to be a pretty sort of you know, level-headed group of lads. You know, mm. they, don't, they don't seem to be getting themselves into any trouble. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, there was the issue with the Daily Telegraph or Sunday Telegraph with Cahill after the Australian Football Awards. But, you know, to this degree, we don't really... Yeah, they seem to have uh, done a pretty good job on that respect. Yeah, I mean, they largely all are, you know, family men. And they've got quite big families as well, a lot of them, haven't they? Like, you know, they've got a few kids. um, And they seem settled. And I would be hugely, hugely surprised to hear anything come out about any of the Socceroos like this. But I also think that part of that is probably when they come back here, they're not the gods that the England football team is wherever they go. You know, they play the number four for fifth code. Mm. Yeah, you know, so when they walk into a bar in in Sydney, they don't get the adulation, you know, that, that an England player would get walking into any bar in England, you know, and, yeah. I, and I would imagine that that's a pretty grand experience for them. That that you know, yes, they might have the money of a Premier League footballer, but like you say, you know, you, they don't have the sort of people throwing themselves at them or the immediate red carpet treatment rolled out every mm. time they walk in somewhere. They, you know, by and large, they probably walk into many bars in this country probably the top two or three accepted and not be recognised. Exactly, yeah. I think that probably happens with a lot of, a lot of the A-League guys. So that, you yeah. know, if so, they were had a fight or something happened a night out, most people probably wouldn't know well, who no, they are uh, anyway. Yeah. I mean, I suppose the one thing we've had... the targets. You know, no. like the, 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 the press are not willing to pay huge sums of money. No. Yeah, for a story on a, on a soccer who behaving badly. I suppose the one thing we had was the Sebral thing, and that's yeah. sunk without a trace, isn't it? You know. Well, yeah, I mean, really you, you imagine that it. if he was a if he was a fringe England player. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Be huge news. Yeah. So anyway, um, let us know what you think. Um, so get on the website. Uh, we'll obviously put the story up with the podcast. So have your say there. You know, do you think that it's fair? Um, do you think football is a fair game, and and how they live their private lives? Uh, Set. let us know what you think um, we'll be back after this break to uh, preview A-League round 6 which kicks off on Friday night visit Football Emporium on www.footballemporium.biz to see the largest selection of football merchandise and memorabilia in Australia a real football shopping experience or why not pop in and visit them directly at 139 Victoria Road, Dremoyne or simply call them on 1300 Goals to find out what's new in the football world the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome back to the final part of this week's 442 Insider podcast. Before we uh, kick off previewing round six, we were just chatting off air. And, um, we, do, we do have an apology to make, and that is to uh, what we thought was Jan Witzman uh, from the Gold Coast, was actually... Yarn. Yarn, sorry, so Yarn. We thought was a was a lady right to us was actually a, a fellow of Dutch heritage. Um he's a Gold Coast United fan, so uh it'd be good to see them back in action this weekend. So Yarn, <laughs> thanks a lot for taking the time to write to us. We do apologise for getting your sex wrong. Yeah. One of the dangers of uh, of radio. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be another flood of questions in as how well we handled that first one we got. So. Yeah, but stay in touch. Just please Maybe when you write in this time, just put a little M or F after yeah. your name, just to make it a little easier for us. Uh, kicking off the round, Friday is Mariners at home to Melbourne Heart. Mm. Uh, eight o'clock kickoff, Blue Tongue Stadium. Nick Merger. Wow, who would have thought this? Nick Merger is going to make his 50th Hyundai A League appearance. 
That is over about nine seasons. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, since the start. Um, I see this one going. Mariners, uh, you know, Arnie's come out this today saying that you know they want to make the Blue Tongue Stadium a fortress. Yeah. Fortress with three sides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a bit of a flaw in the plan, really, because they could just come around the other side and come in through the empty end. It's not thought that through, is he? Um, I think I'm going to tip the Mariners here. They're probably one of the more consistent sides, if there's such a thing in the A-League, or yeah. have been so far. Um, and reasonable result last week against the, the other Melbourne franchise. Hart are still getting going, so I, I think Mariners will edge them out 1-0. Yeah, two deals, like yeah I've, got, I've got a feeling I probably agree with you there. I mean, the Sporting Bet, let's just look at what the odds are. Sporting Bet, I've got the Mariners $2.25, Melbourne Heart 3 bucks, and the draw 3 dollars So I'd probably agree with you there that mm. the Mariners are slight favourites. Um, I'd probably agree with that. Wellington, uh, Sydney. Sydney make the tough trip over the Tasman. Um, Wellington are aiming for their 23rd consecutive undefeated match at Westpac Stadium. That's by far the longest streak of undefeated matches by a team at a venue in the Hyundai A-League history. That is pretty incredible, isn't it? And going back further, it would not lose it for 23 games in a row at the same venue would equal an Australian National League record when Sydney United went 23 consecutive matches at the Sydney United Sports Centre between 96 and 99. Um, Stu Michalik set to make his 50th appearance for Sydney FC that home runs Mourinho-esque isn't he yeah, he, is. he never loses any games it is home. Uh, not surprisingly Sporting Bet are making uh, Wellington favourites $2.02 and two. I still think that's alright though yeah Sydney $3.60 and the draws three thirty. No, all all about Wellington there, isn't it? I mean, you've just seen how good their home form is. Sydney don't have their players coming back. Um, they've just lost their marquee. I see no reason why Sydney would even go there and trouble Wellington. So yeah, Sydney win probably. Okay. Um, Adelaide second game on Saturday is at Highmarsh. Adelaide in first place, taking on Newcastle Jets in ninth. How do you see this one going? Um, yeah, obviously you'd have to favour Adelaide. They seem like the real deal, if you like, with the performance in Sydney last week. Um, Jets yet to get going. I wonder how the, the problems that the Jets are affecting the players. I mean, you know, it has to, doesn't it? Well, I mean, how would you feel coming to work if you weren't getting paid? Well, not great. <laughs> not, not great at yeah, all. That's a drag question. Uh, Adelaide are aiming to score three or more goals for the fourth consecutive match. Wow. It's not bad. Yeah, they really have turned things around there, haven't they? Yeah, so again, you know, you'd probably say that, that Adelaide would go into this favourites. Uh, odds on this, sporting bet. Uh, Adelaide, dollar eighty. unsurprisingly. Newcastle Outsiders at $4.50. Okay. And the draws, $3.35. I, I, I would say that Wellington would be a better chance to beat Sydney than Adelaide would to beat the Jets. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, victory at home to Brisbane at Amy Park on Sunday, 3 o'clock. Robbie Cruz making his 50th appearance. Uh, Tom Pomliak making his 50th appearance for Melbourne. Uh, Brisbane Raw have not conceded a goal in their four matches so far this season. Really? Yep. That's in- that's good. That's incredible. See? Luke Devere. Stat Jack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so, so much better than Stat Rat, isn't it? So will, uh, will victory penetrate the Raw for the first time? Oh, God. Um... <laughs> No, I mean, I think they're... Now I've just Sorry, found that. Get away, that's way Rooney. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, you know, with that stat in mind and the fact that, you know, Victory don't have Archie and 
haven't looked great at home. Oh, mind you, they didn't look great away from home last week, did they? Um, yeah, Brisbane have fancied their chances of, of going there. I think it might be another nil-nil, actually. Really? Well, I mean, looking at that, I mean, you'd be surprised. Brisbane are $3.30, Melbourne $2.10, and the draw $3.30 on Sporting Bet. So, um, so there's some value to be had there on Brisbane. Yeah. Um, final game, Perth Glory at home to Gold Coast. Uh, Perth Glory in second, Gold Coast in 10th, in although that's probably a, a bit of a false position because they've already had two weekends off. Uh, Perth aiming for their eighth undefeated match in a row. Wow. And that would create the longest undefeated streak by any team in the A-League since Melbourne went eight games undefeated from January to September in 2008. So, um, yeah, Gold Coast has got to get their season going going away. You know, probably the toughest away game you can get, isn't it, really? Yeah. Despite what we're saying about, you know, Wellington, Perth are, you know, looking really good at home this season. So, yeah, I don't think Gold Coast will get started there either. I think, I think Perth, 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 Perth are paying $1.90, Gold Coast 4 bucks, and the draw $3.30. I've got a little sneaky thing. I might have a little uh, multi on the all five home wins. All five home wins. Have a look. Yeah. Yeah, that's... That is rare for the A League, but uh, but I might have a little look. At I don't that. know if you drop the victory raw one out though and just go yeah. for Perth Adelaide well, Wellington Central I'll box Coast. It. Right, okay. I'll box it. Um, so that's that's our sort of tips for this week. Um, if you think you know your A League though, um, I've just had a go at this this morning for the QBE Quiz Striker that we mentioned last week. QBEQuizStriker.com.au. It's a five month quiz. Uh, on the A-League and Australian football I had a crack at the first round every month you get 10 questions right. I got 7 out of 10 but that's not easy then that's... there's a couple of very tough ones in there that's to be said right. um, so yeah head along to that there's monthly prizes and a big prize of a trip to the grand final at the end of the season um, also we need to uh, talk about the new issue which yep. is out yesterday Trev talk it's to here it, mate. it's arrived um, yeah it's a playmaker special it's the the reemergence of the number ten that we saw at the World Cup. Am I in there? Schneider and <laughs> Schneider and Ozil uh, playing so well, and yeah, there's profiles on those two, and and how sort of the playmakers reemerged, how they died away, how sort of changes in the rules brought them back again. Look back on the you know the best playmakers of all time, you know Maradona, Zidane, all the rest of that. Speak to Cahill about FIFA 11. Have a feature on. Uh, what the MLS could uh, yeah, teach. Yeah, talk a little bit about that. Obviously, you know, this was something that, that mm. you know, started off, I think, as a news story and turned into a feature, didn't it? Yeah, it's one of those things you just Very started just researching for a, for a news story and then it just got bigger and bigger. Yeah, it's chatting to a, com- a couple of the sort of leading authors over there that have, have, have done books on how the MLS has turned out to be a success. And, it, you know, it is a real success now. It's gone from strength to strength. And it's suffered similar problems to the A-League. You know, they had, you know, dropping crowds and they couldn't attract the players. And they've come out the other side of that and, you know, they're really flying. So it's interesting to look at the things that they've done right and perhaps ask, you know, might that work over here? Mm. If not now, but... I think know, one, so of the, one of the key things for me that... that ran through and we talked about this before the MLS was was they started very similar to the A-League in that they were having 10,000 crowds in 60,000 stadiums when they were playing the at, massive, at the NFL massive stadiums. stadiums and one of the most significant things that has, has actually helped them grow their crowds was building sort of football specific or soccer specific stadiums as they call them mm. you know but with realistic sizes of 18 and 25,000 30,000 capacity yeah um, and that 
conversely is actually a move to a smaller stadium as seen crowds grow because they get a much, people that go get a much better experience they're closer to the pitch the atmosphere is better yeah. and, and the most important thing was that the clubs then are in charge of their their own match day revenues you know so concession stands beer which again is I think is a major issue here in Australia in that you know they're, they're leasing grounds rather than owning them mm. um, and don't have the flexibility to do their own deals yeah. Uh, from a sponsor's perspective, which severely limits their their earning capacity. Yeah, I mean it is absolutely dreadful. What, you know, having to watch any sport in a with just a warm comp- VB in the hand in a yeah. plastic cup. And yeah, exactly. In just an empty stadium, you yeah. just you you just don't want to be there. You know, even the standard of football won't be as important if you're surrounded by people and getting involved in the game more. Yep. And, and the other thing, we look inside Mancini's Man City. Yep. So try saying that, and you've had a few VVs <laughs> in, in plastic cups. Yep. Seven pay feature on on why they should be, you know, not just targeting Champions League football, but trying to win the title this season. Um, so I chat, chat to a few of their guys and and how they do. And Corica and Carl as well um, for yep. the part of the playmakers special and why Australia doesn't produce more of those you know types of players. Well, it's definitely one of our our best issues for a long time. Mm. Um, it's on sale now, and then we'll have some bigger news regarding our. Fifth birthday issue it's next. Huge. Big news next. Can't month. tell you yet, but it's complete huge. redesign, new section, and a guest editor who you might have heard of. Yeah. But anyway, that's all for us. Enjoy the A League this weekend. We'll be back next Thursday to uh, review and preview all the Australian football action. Thanks for joining us. Four Four Two Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.